what's the OT value in this thing? And the OT guys need to start asking for it. And the IT guys need to start saying, hey, do you guys want this in the OT world? And if they know that it's possible, they're going to go, yeah, that'd be good. We've shown these guys, that, like you said, where they've had the tool up and running. They've looked at it, the, the controls engineer, whoever it was at that point said, well, wait a minute, we've had this for three years. Why, why can't I see this? Why don't right. I get this information? Why don't they right? have access this to it? This would be right? valuable to me. This, I, my planning and just so many things that could come from that. But let's take that over to the, the OT value. So this sort of kind of walking through going, hey, if IT can do asset inventory and OT doesn't have it, but it's a real value to them. Hey. I'm Dino Busalaki, the Chief Technology Officer and OT Guy at Delta Technology. Hi, I'm Jim, the COO and IT Guy. And I'm Craig Duckworth, President and CEO. You're listening to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Show. In each episode, we bring you the inside scoop on the world of industrial cybersecurity. We talk about everything you don't know. That you should know. So plug in and power up. The show's about to get started. Hi, this is Dino Busalaki. I'm the Chief Technology Officer for Velta Technology. Hi, and this is Jim Cook, the COO of Velta Technology. Thank you for joining us in this podcast. What are we talking about today, Dino? We're going to talk about OT security lessons from the IT playbook for those that might be applicable and those that will be challenges for OT cybersecurity following an IT playbook, per se. Well, good. We get to start talking about the IT guys. They've been in the cybersecurity game for quite some time. They have a lot of different and proven on the IT side strategies, technologies to move them forward. And they're things that the OT guys need to start thinking about, right? Right. The mentality is different, right? When you think about OT security does not necessarily follow the uniqueness of IT security. And we can start with zero trust, for example. And how do you go about setting up a zero trust environment between your IT and OT environment, recognizing that there is communication requirements within that OT environment that are gonna come through the IT space, right? And vice versa. And so how do you create a zero trust? And there's those organizations out there that think that they can monitor traffic between IT and OT, determine what's normal and then lock it down. And maybe right. they just do it with from an IP level, right? Just IP address link level to create an ACL. Well, what about remote access protocols that are required to get into that OT environment? And I've heard this Swiss cheese creating in my firewalls because of all these different OT protocols that I have to open up to let these applications flow between the IT and OT environment, right? And to me, that's always going to be a challenge because once you let somebody in, now how do you control where they go? Well, the protocols mm -hmm. that they're using, your control points are just following IP. They're not necessarily watching with the protocol application relationship at that level. That's the thing. Zero trust always sounds great, doesn't it? It yeah. just sounds cool, right? Zero trust. Yeah, that's what we want to do. And implementing, even on the IT side, is difficult. But you're right, on the OT side, it, it becomes a whole nother can of worms when you're trying to take those that approach and the technologies and apply it over. And you, you said, for one, just the IP addressing schema. Are you just trusting between that, just IPs? Because you have all these different 
reports and protocols that are very unique to OT. Plus, let's not forget that you're dealing with legacy protocols, legacy communications, legacy devices. So suddenly you have to really think through how does it apply on the OT side? Because there are things that I'm dealing with on the OT side that don't exist and legacy being one of them, right? They weren't built for a lot of identity management and those types of controls in place at the beginning. And those devices don't have those, right? We've seen this before. This is not a new story, right? If you look at, as we like to call the ITOT convergence, ITOT collision, is because in the past, IT has implemented some level of security within the environment that's been disruptive to the plant floor. For example, remote access is a good one, right? I have a machine center that has failed on my plant floor. I can't get somebody on site for three or four days. So I'm going to give them remote access, right, in order to get the plant back up and running. And if you have policies and procedures in a place that it takes a week to get somebody onboarded to get them in, number one, or the remote access isn't working and I don't have anybody available to me on the IT side to make to set it up, get whatever mm -hmm. is required. And now all of a sudden I'm experiencing a day or a half a day or a weekend of downtime is costing me hundreds of thousands of not millions of dollars a day. Because of these types of events, what is OT set to IT? Take that crap out of the way or I'm going to put in my own pipe and ignore you entirely because I can't afford this. I don't think it's what they're going to say. It's what they say right now. And I we mean, find it, Even right? without zero trust, maybe right. with four trust or three trust, I mean, without zero trust, that gets to something that we see. I wrote down coordination, right? And I'll get to coordination in a minute, but it's the capability, the like IT organizations and their change management, which are great, wonderful things. They don't align with it. So if you're taking zero trust and you suddenly go, okay, we're putting in zero trust, but I need a change right now. How's that handled on the IT side? We go through it, right? Like you said, we go through it and go, oh, you got to be set up as a vendor and then you, you have to fill out some paperwork and then, it, then it's got to go into this guy's queue and that guy's right. queue. And who's paying for later. it? Right. Who's paying, who's, who's paying yeah. for this? What, what cost unit is paying the right. check for this? And that's using one use case here, which is just, right. I need somebody now. And that's just one use case. Imagine the other use case where it's can be thought of as, okay, now I put zero trust in and I'm pushing out these rules, which are great. I took my baseline and I'm pushing these rules out, but maybe they haven't logged in six months. Maybe a maintenance um, window they haven't witnessed. Maintenance, is popping yeah. Up. That's the thing. You get a maintenance window and a guy's coming in on one panel, he's, he's working and has to fix the interlock on another. Your baseline doesn't include that. Suddenly their maintenance window is extended because they can't get the machine up or they can't get the work done. And meanwhile, that ticket's sitting somewhere involved in there. So the concept, I guess I get to it not to get on the IT. It's, IT just needs to recognize that and go, what is my capability? Does my capability meet the needs that production needs if I'm going to roll something out? Zero trust. Do I have that capability? Do I have that knowledge? Can I support those things? It's not just turn it on and let it run. And then if something happens, it's a weak window to troubleshoot. You don't have a week. These guys are out there running around. They got an hour. They're trying to get it back up and run. That's just, while the zero trust, don't get me wrong, is great. It's a great strategy and a target to keep moving forward to. There's just all these implications inside of supporting that in an OT environment that have to be thought through, right? All right. If you, and if you don't do it in a timely manner, in a collaborative manner where everybody agrees to it, you will find these OT environments finding alternative methods. Right. 
and pathways right. to get work done in their environment. They just do. And the question you really have to ask yourself is who shadows who? Is it incumbent upon the OT people to learn and do what IT does every day and how they operate their practice? Or is it more incumbent for IT to learn what OT does every day and how right. they run that plant? I would vote on the latter. Just <laughs> I would. Because no, yeah, you should. That's the cash <laughs> register. You always say it's the cash register, right? If I'm a manufacturing company, I'll go, I, I don't understand what all you IT guys are doing, but I understand that if this isn't producing product, I'm not making money. So who wins? Who wins in that? Now, I would say if you're an IT security professional and if you haven't visited your plants on a regular basis, meaning you spend 90% of your time in the field, especially if you have 30, 40, 50 plants in your fleet, then chances are you're not going to be able to develop an all-encompassing detailed cybersecurity scope for your manufacturing environments. And and even and that's just getting out there and, and living through the production aspects of it, but startups and or right. maintenance windows when we're taking the plant out of service for the weekend so we can go in here and do fumigations and to clean and repair and do some updating on some of our stuff. We do try to do a bunch of things in a short period of time so we can have the plant back up and running by Monday morning or whatever, midnight on Sunday. Right. I would argue if you're as an IT person, networking person, security person or not, working through that on a regular, consistent basis, you will struggle with a security solution for your organization. At the, at the OT level. Yeah, I want to say to my IT friends out there that hear that, it's not, and it may not be your fault. And that's why I use the term capability. There's only so many resources to go around. So if you're IT and you're scratching your head going, I can't get out there. I can't get that knowledge. You go, okay, you need a new capability. And is that new capability going to be more resources, reallocated resources? Or are you going to use services and knowledgeable people on the outside? And quite frankly, loop in your OT friends out there, loop in your production friends, because they might have some money to spend too if they realize you're doing this to help their resiliency, right? They may be thinking about it and not even talking to you by saying, okay, what do I need to do? I want to jump to a couple other things here real quick, but to wrap that one up from a capability standpoint, and I think this will be throughout any of these security lessons that IT does, that they need to at least start that conversation there. Hey, Dean, I want to touch on the, the asset inventory, another component that IT does a pretty darn good job of that is something that the OT folks need to kind of listen to. And I'll open with something, and I tell all the clients this in our intro meetings, is that I came from the IT side and has joined up with you here at Velta. One of my realizations was, hey, they're a bunch of engineers, and don't engineers have good inventory, right? You would think they know. No, they don't. They have horrible inventory. They, they don't know what's inside of those panels specifically. They'd like to. They have a general idea. But they're more focused on what's going inside that machine and going out the outside and what's it producing, right? One of my raw materials is making the other end than it is all the network and devices components that are on the existing side. From an IT perspective, I, while you have a good job of your inventory, don't assume that the OT guys know everything that's connected out in their plant. And that'd be a great way for the IT guys to come out and talk to the OT and say, hey, there's some value here. But let's yeah. talk a little bit about that from the asset inventory to take that lesson to the OT side. What should the OT guys be thinking about? What should they have? What level of expectation should they have from getting a good asset inventory on the OT side? First, I need to recognize that IT does that there's probably a 20 to 25 to 1 ratio of 
OTS as compared to ITS, that's out there in that plant floor. So the numbers are a lot bigger. And asset inventory, when you got a manufacturing facility, let's say it's running seven by 24 by 365, those engineering and operations staff, there's a lot of people coming and going inside those manufacturing facilities, replacing stuff, right? Fixing things. And so how do you keep up with that asset inventory if over the course of a month, several assets were replaced? new stuff put in. And so what is my accurate inventory? Somebody went to the storeroom or the parts store and got what they needed out of the plant to go and fix things, go put in a new drive to go put in a new HMI or a new switch or some sensor or whatever. How do you keep tabs of all of that? How do you know what went out there into the field if you don't have continuous monitoring to give you asset visibility, right? And most asset visibility practices that we've seen to date and I mean, is from is to the IDF level, not inside the panels where all of that stuff I just described is located. Is asset inventory important? It is. By getting asset inventory, you get information that tells you what your serial numbers are that you actually have live that are in the environment. So you can you know, do a better job of managing your warranty and maintenance programs and know what you need to keep in stock because you, got, you can keep track of this information. You have the vulnerability and risk information that's provided if you're continuously monitoring that stuff. Some people would say, do I need to continuously monitor that or is there some stopgap measures? And the question is just those do exist, right? But moving forward, you want to try to get continuous monitoring in place to be able to determine what assets do I have out there and what is their current situation from a vulnerability and exposure perspective and who's remoting in. Right. Yeah. I mean, Hang on. Let's get to that remote. I'm going to stick on the asset inventory and then we're going to t- we're going to do that remote thing again in a minute. But the asset inventory, right? Every time we show what's possible to a controls engineer or plant manager or facilities manager of what's possible, they look at us and they're like, holy cow, I didn't know that was possible. Wait a minute. Now, what about the companies that have already bought a tool and they don't <laughs> even give OT access to the tool? This is from the <laughs> OT side. Wait a minute. You guys have asset inventory. Why don't I have my asset inventory, right? Mm-hmm. It sounded funny. But okay, I want my asset inventory. And they start taking a look at it. You mentioned some of the things, serial numbers and firmware versions, vulnerabilities, whether it's on remote run or run. Just there's a number of things with, with rack slots, with nested devices. They didn't even realize that was possible. To them, and, it was and, a physical inspection that had to be had in order to get that. And most times they'd have to take downtime so they could pull the equipment out of the panel to look at it to get the serial number. This is the stuff that from an IT perspective, again, I come from the IT world. And I can get everything that I need just remotely and hit it. You got to remember that because of those devices and different devices that are on the OT side, they don't necessarily respond to the same type of technologies. They're not simple and clean as that. But once you have the right OT specific tool sets, if you will, out there to get your asset inventory... Hey, partner up with the OT guys. Go back to your IT guys and say, do you have anything that can give me this asset inventory? Because there are tool sets out there and they're combined with the cybersecurity tools can actually give you asset inventory, which gets to that operational. What's the OT value in this thing? And the OT guys need to start asking for it. And the IT guys need to start saying, hey, do you guys want this in the OT world? And if they know that it's possible, they're going to go, yeah, that'd be good. We've shown these guys, that, like you said, where they've had the tool up and running. They've looked at it. The, the controls engineer, whoever it was at that point, said, wow, wait a minute. We've had this for three years. 
Why, why can't I see this? Why don't right. I get this information? Why don't they right? have access this to This would it, be right? valuable to me. This, I, my planning, and just so many things that could come from that. But let's take that over to the, the OT value. So this sort of kind of walking through going, hey, if IT can do asset inventory and OT doesn't have it, but it's a real value to them, what else is a real value to my OT friends over there for the IT guys to be aware of it and the OT guys to be aware of it to ask for it. So when we get around the process integrity aspect of it, I mean, you talk to this all the time, right? Process integrity gets to operational resilience and cybersecurity resilience. But if you got the right tool sets in place, those are one and the same for a manufacturing plan. Yeah. Most manufacturers have a wide range of industrial control systems in their plant, a handful, several. There's not just one uniform automation technology vendor in the plant. For example, you're not going to go into a plant and find it necessarily to be 100% Rockwell. If you were 100%, Rockwell's got some asset inventory stuff, uh, asset center, for example, to help you keep track your control system inventory, your PLC programs, your backups, things of that nature, so that you have a good inventory of what's out there. There are also ODIDS platform tools that will do that for you and do it on a wider range of automation technology stuff you may have in your plan. So if you got Siemens in there and you got Emerson in there, you got GE or Honeywell or Beckoff or Mitsubishi, whatever you may have, to be able to get the same level of asset inventory information in that environment to where you're tracking PLC changes, process integrity, right? If somebody makes a change to a PLC, am I going to be able to see that? Now, if you're talking to a controls person, that's pretty important. To an IT person, that means nothing. It means nothing to them. And so the question you have to ask yourself is the IT person who chose the OT cybersecurity tool, who's not given the OT person access to that tool for whatever reason, because they don't think that they should, you got to ask yourself, why did you pick an OT cybersecurity tool, IT? Right. Why did you do that? Right. If you don't have the input and follow up with the OT people, again, who 80% of that information is valid to them, not use an IT organization, but to the OT people. So, you know, you have to get into that dynamic. And then uh, here's what will happen is once you get the right people in the room and you start uncovering this discussion that we're having, what will happen invariably is IT will start backing away and basically tell OT, okay, you're going to run your own plan. You got to get your own tool. You need to fund this stuff. it's, It's what happens. It does because IT, once they recognize that, their influence is small and they don't have much control at that control point and they're not really adding value to the OT organization. And OT is getting smart. They're getting smarter. They're getting wiser. They're maturing. And now they're starting to ask these types of questions. And I, I'm telling you, IT, I, what I see them doing is backing away. And then OT needs to start leaning in and start taking responsibility and accountable for these OT cybersecurity hygiene practices and also things that will help them reduce potential unplanned unscheduled downtime, i.e. process integrity. The way you characterize that, IT back in a way that's not a bad thing. It's not. Per se. It's not a bad thing. If you can, br- from the, my IT friends out there, hey, bring it to the table. Start those conversations. Right. That These things are finding stuff. Say, hey, what's possible? The art of what's possible. Let's go to the OT guys. They see things, and we see this all the time. You know, the IT guys, they breeze over this data, but the OT guys will go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, go back. Oh, no, hey, that's interesting. That's interesting. And that's where if they back away, that's good as long as the OT's finding a value in it. That means that's a good thing. Okay, OT's finding value, and maybe it's going to shift a little bit, and OT's going to go, wait a minute, we want some of that, we want some of that, and then it will find the equilibrium. Now, if there's no conversation, nobody's finding any equilibrium. 
right? You got to dig into it to find that. You got to get those participants. And this goes, this is about OT security lessons from the IT playbook. Hey, IT, you've got the playbook, go down. Just know that those things don't mean exactly the same thing, but bring them to the OT side needs to go, hey, IT has some interesting playbooks, technologies, approaches. How does that fit for OT? And then work together and the OT can go, wait a minute, I want this, right? And when OT is saying, wait a minute, I want this, that means you're, you're actually providing OT value at that point. And that to me can be a success. It's not always, right? You always got organizational issues, but it can be success when they're out there grabbing it away from you and saying, wait a minute, I want this, I want this, I want this. That's a good thing. Yeah, because ideally, I believe that you could definitely bring this forward. It would be expected to bring a security project forward. And what you want them to be able to do is engage their OT peers, colleagues, and partners, and slowly back away a little bit and let them run with it for some extent. Just mentor them and herd them and say, look, I'm here to help. I'm here to provide some value. I understand technology. I understand standards, governance, policy, all of those things. Now, let's help you orchestrate that around an OT cybersecurity platform that's good, that benefits this organization, right? Versus OT trying to put themselves in front. It's almost like putting the cart in front of the horse, in my view, when it comes to OT cybersecurity, the way I've seen these projects run with IT organizations, without a doubt. They make a decision without really looking at the broader, bigger picture and how it impacts their manufacturing environment. And, And ideally, they're not really doing anything of value to them, very little, if anything. And 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 the simple question is, do they have access to the tool? Do the OT people have access to the tool? And if they don't, then you have your answer. That's where on the OT side, they have to start listening in and saying, you've got skin in this game. Listen in and go ahead and stand up and say, wait a minute, do I know enough? Do I have a good partner with me? Do Whether it's internally or externally, do I have a good partner that can help explain how this relates to me? Again, whether it's internal, does the IT, is that a good partner? Do you need to go find someone? Do you have an existing one that can explain where this intersection is and how you can go, I want to learn from some of these IT approaches, but I want to do it right for my OT world. So let's touch on something else. I, I set the remote off to the side, but the remote uh, is is always uh, interesting because when you start looking at it, everyone thinks it's controlled uh, already. IT's got their whole procedure. It takes three weeks to get even get in. What they don't know is, which is, again, a good thing. They got the governance. They got the controls in place. Now, three weeks to get somebody new in. That's always a challenge. And that's, that created this environment where he said OT's working around it. But they've got one door to come in and they've been working toward that. Now, what has OT done? OT's gone around that and they've got vendors going around that. And meanwhile, they've got a dozen back doors per site open up, right? Yes, it's not unusual, right? Whether it's the cradle point type modems that you can find in machine centers or plant managers that have allowed an ISP to drop an internet connection into the environment, OT groups that, that manage their own network access jump boxes, et cetera, in order to gain access into that environment in a very quick and efficient manner and under the guise of trying to reduce their unplanned and scheduled downtime, right? Because they've experienced days, 
weeks trying to get right. things done on the other side and they've, they've walked away from it. But then the technologies that these OEMs and SIs and OT people have put in those plants are wide. You'll find their own firewalls. They'll put at the head end of that control system. They'll have in things like Tashi boxes and Ewans and things like that, that we soft PLCs, you have no idea what's running on that soft PLC. It could be running a myriad of remote access capabilities in order to get into that machine center and, and extract data and or do support that nobody knows anything about, right? And we right. see that all the time. And so if you don't have the right tools in place to watch this stuff, if you're sitting there going, I'm just watching IP addresses, that's insufficient, all right? That's not good enough today, not anymore. I need to get down to that industrial protocol level, right? Application level, think next generation firewall capabilities implemented down in your OT environment that's passively listening, not actively doing anything, building this baseline of all this activity and vulnerabilities within your control system environment. And today you're ignoring that. Why? Because of cost, kind of resource issues, cost issues. I just recently asked the CIO this question. Are you executing the same amount of due diligence to secure and protect the uh, plant floor control system environment as you do the enterprise? And the response was, how expensive that would be? Well, what's more expensive, losing your plant floor or losing your data set? You've already got several IT cybersecurity professionals in your group. You got nobody on the OT side. And the concern was, well, what's that going to cost? Yeah, I mean, you got to ask the question. <laughs> the question is, what's going to cost you if you don't do it, right? That's always a challenge because the IT guys feel like, man, I, the last 10 years of increase in spend. Geez, now I missed this whole section for OT. Now I got to go back and ask for more increases. Again, that's why we're talking about, well, work with your OT and be able to be demonstrate that. And things have changed so that this has to be addressed now. Well, every time we've added equipment or gone to Digital 4.0 or said that these machines need to connect for predictive analytics or predictive maintenance, those are all things that have been done without security measures in place, without a security program in place for a specific reason. And this gets to where you say some discussions about technology debt and those types of things that need to support that to say, hey, we've already reap the benefits from this technology being in place. However, we have technology debt because we probably should have invested in it up front. But now it's connected and we're going to have to go back and whether it's re-engineer or start a new journey over the OT to start addressing these things. Or I do want stopgap yeah. measures. There are stopgap things that yeah. you can do. They're not continuous monitoring, but you can improve your snapshot windows from once a year or every other year to once a week, once a month, at least do something. Again, what are you doing to get better? And until you can think about what it's going to take to get out there and put a sensor technology out there in those panels to collect that metadata to continuously monitor, which is why we would pursue, if you've already gone down this path and you've already chosen an OTIDS cybersecurity platform, any new machine centers you got coming in, you should be thinking ahead and, and talking to those OEMs and SIs about the sensors you want to put in those machine centers, those panels, before they come to my plant, before they show right. up. Do it up front. Yeah, that's it. Do it up front. That's, those are things we've talked about. We've got our sensor-ready panel program that we talk about a lot, too. Mm -hmm. But it's a matter of you think about it. We know it's going to be a long journey, right? With any company, with most companies, it's going to be a long journey. That's evident in the OT cybersecurity space. But at least what we, with our approach has been, hey, you're probably maybe 10% 
of your facility or your, even if it's 5%, 10% is being changed over. They've got their new capital plan. Every manufacturing plan is always there annually trying to get new capital dollars for a new machine. If you start it now, your new machines then come in with, what do we, we say, seatbelts. So it's now suddenly when seatbelts became a thing, Seatbelts, they went out and said, okay, now seatbelts are the thing. Every car has to have a seatbelt or the three or the shoulder strap. Come on. When we were kids, we got enough gray hair to know we would just slide around in the back seat. They didn't come back around and put seatbelts in and you had to retrofit the old cars with the seatbelts. No, but all the new cars came with seatbelts. And eventually all the cars have seatbelts now. And it's really that same philosophy about designing that with security in mind moving forward. That and, same concept of going, well, if you're bringing in a new machine in, well, put cybersecurity tools in it or something in it to make it safe coming in so that 10 years from now, at least now we have all our cars have seatbelts, right? And you got to get to, and you're talking about safety, right? Physical safety. And we are talking about kinetic, connected physical systems, right? So we are talking about safety, or as we like to call it, digital safety. And, and we've heard the arguments where people balk at pursuing cybersecurity issues because they think it's too expensive. But they would never say that about safety. They would never right. come back and say, well, who wants a safer machine? <laughs> they all want safer machines. They have to have safer machines. We're getting to the point where this stuff is going to go in lock, step, sync, right? Where digital safety and physical safety with around these machine centers need to be treated the same. You can't right. just say, I'm going to forego physical safety, so I'm not going to put gates on my can line. So if I get a jam, I'm just going to reach my hand in there and remove the jam while the machines are still running. Until a few people have lost not. fingers and hands or whatever, you put gates there. <laughs> and if you open up the gate, the machine stops. That's the downside, okay, the machine, but it's safe. we got to get to that point with digital safety. If you have to go through a couple extra hops or steps in order to get into this environment securely, Versus saying, no, I just want to get straight in there and do what I need to do, get out. No, that's right. just saying, stick yeah, in the, in the con, on the conveyor to pull out a, a twisted can that got bent and get it out of there while the machines are still running. Right. And, and we got to get to that same mindset around digital safety that a lot of folks haven't quite wrapped their head around yet. And this is, again, getting back to can IT best practices, that wouldn't be in an IT playbook when you talk about right. physical safety. Or safety right. or digital safety. And that's where, and I love saying this all the time, right? What is cybersecurity? First thing people think about with cybersecurity is the digital systems that are controlling digital outcomes. That's what everybody hears about. Oh, and there's ransomware and all the records or the books or customer information, credit cards. So it's all digital outcomes, right? This world we're talking about, it's about physical outcomes, right? These are digital systems controlling physical outcomes. Like you said, you can lose fingers, you can lose hands, things can explode, things can catch on fire, people can get hurt, the machine can get damaged. And believe me, those machines that can get damaged is going to cost you a lot more than a new server. So the implications are that much different. And that's the clearest delineation you can say. And that's why we call it digital safety, because of those physical outcomes. And as Dino was saying, the relationship with safety and how you need to start thinking about cybersecurity. Well, it's cybersecurity, but it's also operational resilience and it's also safety. And you roll all these things together and you go, yeah, it's a little bit different. What did we know and how do we apply it to OT, which is really what we're getting here today. And so just as a wrap up, I started 
talking about the wrap up. There are things that IT does that have been built around from IT security that OT needs to be aware of. And they don't transfer one for one, but they have unique considerations in the OT space. We've talked about their security zones, there's the zero trust that we talked about, there's an asset inventory, there's big value there, the vulnerability information that comes with it, process integrity, how about that remote access, uh, audit change control measures. And then we ended with trying to get out in front of it and design in as you bring these pieces of equipment in. But ultimately, you have to say, okay, let's get to the table and let's have the conversation. And do we have the capability to have the conversation? And if we do, how do we take it to the next level? And where's the buy-in and the ownership on both sides? Let's find it. And if it's IT has gotten too far and OT wants to step up and, and take responsibility, IT will be more than happy. They've got enough problems on their own, right? The companies have to start getting to that point and having that conversation. And if you're ultimately, when you're IT and you're OT, people are having that conversation, you're going to find that right point, right? To your point, if IT is driving it, how do they engage the OT people to make sure that they are providing input and value into the decisions being made, right? As long as they're doing that, being collaborative and aligned and they're transparent, that's great. If you're an IT organization thinks that you can go out, pick any tool you want just because you think that's your job, you're setting yourself up for failure as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. OT, on the other hand, get a, get a plan. Drive them. Drive yourself. Start, put on your big boy pants and start looking for what it takes to secure and protect this environment. IT will follow. They'll show up. They will or they won't. No matter. Lead it. Let them them follow you. But if they're going to lead it, then you need to get in there and challenge them and don't let them just make a choice because you think that they're the smartest cats in the room and they're the ones that probably know what's best for your plant floor. Don't let that happen either. I think maybe we can push to have this podcast renamed OT put on your big boy pants. Can we do that? (laughs) They do because they'll shy away from it. They will because they're they're turning around and looking over their shoulder and going, I don't have a a line of people behind me or money backing me to go. Anything else you want to add for wrap up? I see we're getting uh, short on time other than the OT big boy pants. Maybe we'll get our own logo for that. Here's the OT big boy pants. Yeah, everybody, thanks for listening. Someday we'll get to see uh, Dino in his OT big boy pants. And until next time, uh, let's be safe out there. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Industrial Cybersecurity Insider Podcast. To stay up to date with our latest episodes, be sure to click the follow or subscribe button now. And if you found this podcast helpful or have a topic you'd like us to cover, please leave us a review or let us know. If you're interested in learning more about Velta technology and how you can get safer sooner, visit veltatech.com. That's B-E-L-T-A tech.com. Thanks again for listening. See you next time.